we are parenting now way differently than past generations. We're like cycle breaking and like doing all these things, which is wonderful, but it's freaking way more work to parent that way. And we parent with a lot of hypervigilance, a lot of intensity. We have really, really almost impossible standards for ourselves as parents. And I think this is just like this whole other layer to the parenting experience that makes motherhood really extra draining, um, makes our load way heavier because now we're not just like, why are you crying? We're not just like responding like that. We're like, what is the phrase that expert said? I don't want to cause trauma. And so we're like really hypervigilant about stuff. And that is exhausting. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Big Time Adulting. Thanks for tuning in today. I was going to say chiming in, but I'm going to be the one who's chiming in here. (laughs) Um, My guest today is Dr. Morgan Cutlip. Um, Morgan is a psychologist who's been in practice for 15 years, and she's made it her mission to help women, specifically mothers, now um, navigate this very hairy time of what it's like to kind of feel like you've lost yourself after having children. And I think that's just such a highly relatable and real experience for mothers. And I'd just like to start off by welcoming Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hi, thanks for having me. You've recently wrote a book, Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. I think it's something that women get really confused by sometimes. Like it feels like if you're prioritizing yourself that you're being selfish or not being a good mom and that is just such a toxic message and way to go about life you know it's just it's hard enough as it is so why don't you get us started and just telling us a little bit about like you and how you came to this line of work yeah so um Gosh. So I, I've actually worked with my dad for a number of years. He's a doctor in psychology and he um, went back to get his degree when I was in grade school. And so I would just like go to classes with him sometimes, or, like pack a briefcase full of candy and like sit there and take notes. And um, then he started after we practiced for a while, he started actually writing courses before like everybody and their cousin had a course on like how to raise chickens and like all this crap that we have courses on. And uh, he started doing courses and I just started traveling with him. So we go to conferences um, and different things like that. And I started speaking with him in college. And so eventually it was like, okay, I got to get my own credentials so I can stand on my own own right. So most of my career has actually been working with him taking psychological concepts and theory and translating it into practical relationship advice. Because I feel like if it's not practical, like we can talk about these like ethereal concepts, but if it's not practical, then how the heck do we actually put it to use in our life? And so maybe when I was maybe like a sophomore in college, I told him, all right, someday I'm going to do something to help women but I didn't really know what that looked like. And Mm. fast forward, our daughter Effie was born. She's 10 now, but um, just a different ball game. But when she was born, and I don't know if she was a difficult baby or just felt difficult to me, but I went into motherhood feeling like I was going to be just like stellar. Like I thought it would be I was I have degrees. I I should know what I'm doing. I'm being really good at this. And I found it to be incredibly difficult. The loss of freedom that I felt really smacked me upside the head. I did not anticipate that. 
Uh, my husband waltzed in with like a fresh haircut or decided to go to a work dinner. I remember having this insane amount of resentment toward him about how much like, my life looked different. Um, I just felt like I would be so good at it and I felt like every day I was falling short. It was painful. It was hard. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And so I, I knew I knew that like at some point I would come out of this place or at least it would ease up a little bit. And it was at that time that I decided that when I do, when I do come out of the haze, I'm going to do something to help moms navigate this time differently. Yeah. Well, okay. So rewind a little bit. So you were basically a child apprentice like Ben Franklin. You're just <laughs> learning from the master. Um, I think it was like a social experiment a- from my dad. <laughs> That is a pretty cool way to spend a lot of your childhood or whatever, kind of (laughs) learning what you do about what you do now. And I agree, like what you were saying about when your daughter was born and just thinking you were going to be like this all-star, like I got this in the bag. I was like made to do this. I really felt that way too. And it's not even to say that I wasn't a great mom and doing all great things for my child. It was just so hard and, um, so all encompassing at the, at the beginning and still, you know, in many ways, I mean, things have certainly lightened since my kids have gotten older and I'm really vocal about how much I enjoy these like sort of bigger little kid years Mm -hmm. so much more than the babies and toddlers who are just like suck the life out of you every day. Um, (laughs) But you mentioned, you know, there's all this sort of impractical advice out there about how to handle um, situations or like self-care tips and all this Mm -hmm. kind of junk that is not necessarily practical for moms who are in the weeds with babies and toddlers or whatever. So um, I kind of want to ask you to dive into that part of your message more and what are some of the more practical, tangible things that are truly helpful? Yeah, I I feel like I came to kind of rant a little bit about self-care because it started to really annoy me because when I was reading the research and the books and the blogs and the content and everything doing research for my book, when I found all the stuff that was like put out to help moms, it almost always was like lists of self-care. And um There's three reasons why it drives me crazy. The first is that we just don't need lists of more things to do. I feel like we already have enough lists. We we are like living with lists in our mind on paper. Um, School, I have school supply lists I still got to get to. Like it's just never ending. And then when we don't get to the stuff on the list, we end up feeling really guilty and like we're falling short and we don't need more of that. Um, The second reason it drives me crazy is that – there's like an assumption that's made when somebody puts out a list like this or is like, hey, like take a walk, take a bath. Like I don't know when taking hygiene became like self-care, but it's like take a bath, get your nails done, stuff like this. There is this assumption that moms don't have any issues asking for the time, the support, and the resources to accomplish the stuff on these lists. And a lot of moms don't have that stuff or they have a lot of hangups around asking for help. They might not know what they need or they might not just like – they might just have tons of guilt 
around asking for what they need or asking for time or space. It can also be like another to-do list item. Like now I have to find a competent person who can do this, pay them, schedule it, you know, communicate back and forth, tell them what to do while I'm gone. It's like, it's not worth the fucking hassle. I'll just stay and do it myself, right? Like I can go without the manicure. I think that's like 90% of stuff in like marriage and motherhood is we're like, it's just easier if we take care of it. Yeah. (laughs) We take care of everything. Which is so, because it's like on our, everything's on our minds all the time, right? So we're just like, I already know how I want this done and when I want this done. So I'm just going to do it rather than expend energy that I don't have right now trying to explain it to somebody else. Totally. Do you think that there, like sometimes I'm like, this is just life for a little while. Is this feeling inevitable for moms or is there stuff that we can do about it? Or is it all in our minds more? It's like this construct of what has been like ingrained in us societally to make us think we have to be or do a certain amount of things or type of things to be the right (laughs) kind of mom. And if we weren't bothered by all that noise that we would not feel um, the pressure and overwhelm that we do. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like, yes to all of them. I think, you know, the, the last reason why I get annoyed with self-care is that because a lot of it's physical, which like kind of brings me back around to what you're saying, which is it's, um, there's things that we can do that are not just about our physical selves that are like how we think about things or how like mom guilt, if you get rid of mom guilt, you're going to save so much energy right there because that becomes this layered experience. It's like you're feeling guilty about something and then you have less resources. You snap on your kid and now you feel guilty about snapping on your kid, which means then you feel bad about that. And that drains your energy and resources even more. And then you're more likely to do it. It's like that alone can shift things. And so, um, yes, I think that in some ways there are seasons of motherhood that feel more oppressive or physically demanding or emotionally like life sucking. And part of it is we need to accept that, um, there's times where we're going to be able to get to our needs a little bit more than other times. I think part of it is kind of coming to terms with that. But then I think there's also things that we can do in the limited amount of time that we have um, when our kids are really young, especially. I feel like it's the hardest then. And so the way that I approach it is, uh, you know, we, we are already like taking care of everybody else and all of the things. Like we manage, we make the world go round. We manage the people, we manage the things, we manage the schedules, the relationships, all this stuff, but we don't really do a great job of managing our relationship with ourselves. And this is something you can do no matter what stage of motherhood you're in, which is regularly check in on yourself and decide, all right, here's what's going on with me. I give a model in the book that helps you actually do that in a structured way. So it's not just like this ambiguous thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, here's what's going on with me. And then here are some practical ways I can intervene. And I think that you know, sometimes we can check in with ourselves and be like, I need a freaking month long vacation and it's just not going to happen or I need a night away. And maybe that's just not the right season for that. But I do think that there's power in defining what you need and like creating some definition around that because sometimes we just feel like crap, but we don't know why and we don't know what we need to feel better. But if we can define that, it at least takes that initial sort of air out of things.
Sometimes I feel like in my own world and life, I have so many things on my plate at once, which is like every mom out there, but that um, I get a little paralyzed in my own tracks about where should I even begin right now? Like what yeah. I should prioritize. And then I end up sort of piecemealing the day together without a plan. And I think that this desire that I want to be able to have a loose structure, but that like, there's so much going on that if I don't put some structure into place that I will also be really frustrated and like lose my mind. So I started doing this thing like where I will be sitting down or something after a drop off for kids and figuring out what do I need to do now? Like, how do I maximize this time? Cause I feel like the moms are always like struggling. How do I maximize these moments that I have to myself or whatever? And sometimes that is a nap. Like you need to take a nap if totally. you were up at night or with a baby or whatever. And I would always definitely prioritize sleep if I had the opportunity to and needed it. Um, but now that I've, you know, gotten to the point where my kids are sleeping more at night, that kind of thing. I'll sit there and be like, what should I, what should I prioritize right now? And I felt like I just needed to say it out loud to myself, like Caitlin, get up and go, um, you know, throw out that old shit in the refrigerator right now (laughs) that you, that you're never going to use, you know? Um, (laughs) but just like to say it out loud to myself to be like, go do this. And that's just like, one thing off the list that it's almost like I gave myself a command. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I'm like, so just kind of like caught up in you, you're talking about this because I'm thinking about like days at home with the kids. It happened this week, I think we're like, we just want a lazy day at home. And I'm like, yes, those are my absolute favorite where we don't get dressed and we don't do anything and you just operate all day without a plan. And then it hits like 12, 30, 1, 30 and everybody's pissed at each other and they're fighting and you're like, this freaking sucks. Why do we do a lazy day? Lazy days are the worst days because like we had no plan or no direction. And by the end, everyone's just antsy and bored and irritable. And I feel like the same sort of experience applies for a lot of moms. It's like we need a plan sometimes for what we like do in those moments where we have time. Um, And and so that is like – that's sort of like the the main sort of structure behind my book is like giving moms this plan for sort of organizing – how do I check in with me? What do I need? Maybe what I need is to clean out the fridge. <laughs> Maybe what I need is to think about um, how I'm thinking about myself in hard moments with the kids. I think this is like a really powerful one um, because we tend to be really judgmental towards ourselves, especially in these moments that we feel like we're not living up to the mom we thought we'd be. And so how do we start reshaping the way we think about ourselves so that's not sucking up um, energy that we just don't have to devote to it? So there's lots of points of intervention, and some of it is as simple as giving yourself that command to go get something off your list because that little like win feels good. Yeah. check this off the box, like build a little bit of momentum or it might be something that's a little bit deeper, like how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Another question that I was sort of thinking about that I wanted to ask you was sort of how does, you know, marriage play a role in, in all of this and what you do to set yourself up for success, I guess, or like make 
realistic and good expectations for everybody to like adhere to so that you're not feeling resentful um, about all of the stuff that you have to take on mentally or that we are taking on mentally or whatever. Cause I feel like that's a real shift in conversation happening now with like our generation and younger much more so. And thank God that that is taking place. And the mental load of motherhood is starting to become more offset by men stepping up to help. But I think that that's one of those things that when I was becoming a mom for the first time, I really, in my mind was like, I will take on all of this stuff with the kids. And Uh, that's going to be my job as a mom. And the deeper into motherhood and particularly after I began to stay home full-time and that I just absorbed so many of the domestic roles, Mm. tasks around the house that I read this thing the other day that women like end up getting an hour more work of, of like domestic work a day and men get like, an hour less or whatever it is. It's just like you take on, like once you, even before motherhood, like once you're even married, you begin to absorb more of the domestic work just because of a traditional mindset. Yeah. We learn to become parents from like the moment we're born. We're starting to learn how to become parents right. based on what we experience, based on what we see, what we see on TV, what we experience in our like societal structures and systems. If you went to like a religious institution or different school, like you're just going to get all these messages. We start to absorb and they live in us, but we don't really know that they do until we become parents. And so this is how um, a lot of our expectations end up coming about and really shocking us when we actually have kids in our relationship. And so it's like you have all these expectations within you about what kind of mom you're supposed to be. Like you're saying kind of like expected I was going to take all this stuff on. I'm sure that comes – that's got roots in something in your own life. I had the same type of stuff. My parents were very traditional. And so I went into it thinking like I'll just do everything because that's what I do and that's what you're supposed to do. So – There are like these deep roots that exist about the types of moms we think we should be as well as the types of like – as well as like what type of partner our partner should be after we become parents. Like I remember like my husband grew up in this household where they really don't do celebrations and I grew up in a home where we have over-the-top celebrations and it didn't actually become much of an issue until we had kids And I was like, why am I working so hard at this? And you were like, don't give a crap about how we celebrate X, Y, or Z. And so some of this stuff really comes out after we become kids. And then this requires this like new negotiating. But a lot of times we're not even aware that these expectations are sort of sabotaging us or getting in the way and causing all these arguments and disappointments and resentment and stuff like that. So we sort of need to explore those, put them on the table, and then renegotiate because they're new. Yes, they've been in you, but they're sort of new when you become parents um, and you see your partner now differently. They're not just your partner. They're a dad or a mom or whatever. And so that really, really changes things. And I think that um, it can be really shocking in a relationship when these expectations come out and you're like, why am I always ticked off at you? Like, why are you always disappointing me? I think the other thing is that these sort of messages that we've absorbed, if we don't examine them, we a lot of times will just repeat them. 
And so this is what can happen in terms of like falling into patterns with the mental load. So I have the same sort of belief that you went into motherhood with, I went into it too, which is like, I'm going to take care of everything. And I was doing it before we had kids. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make dinner. I just shared about this recently. I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to shop for it. I'm going to think of it. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to do all the things. And um, so once I started doing that and my husband tried to get up to like, let's say do the dishes and I'd be like, sit down. I've got you. Like, I got you. I'll take care of you. I love, like, this is how I'm loving you. Um, eventually stopped trying to do the dishes. And I think that when we kind of repeat some of these patterns that we've just absorbed and it's just nobody's fault. Um, and we take these things on without discussion. Um, we end up like taking them on permanently. Like you said, we absorb them Mm -hmm. and this piles up quickly and then you become a parent and overnight it's like exponential growth in the turn in the amount of responsibilities that you have to take care of. And so before we know it, we are just buried by the amount of tasks and mental things we're taking care of. And along the way in our relationship, we have just absorbed so many of these tasks without discussion that we did out of just the goodness of our hearts. But um, after kids, it's just not sustainable to operate this way. So we got to like walk this stuff back, which becomes tricky, I think, for a lot of couples. It's definitely an opportunity for people now. I think that there's so much more chatter about this and like the invisible labor of motherhood and the, you know, inequity between gender roles. And and now I see it so much as an opportunity for couples to have those conversations, to do it their own way. And as much as women are learning to advocate for like, this is bullshit. I can't do this all. And it's not fair. Mm -hmm. It's also men unlearning Mm -hmm. these, you know, ingrained social tendencies that we all, and I don't know, I wonder if like people even 10 years younger, five years younger than I am, I'm 41 now have already made changes to this. I feel like, I feel like it is changing. Oh, it is changing. I mean, research says that it's changing. Like the amount of time men are spending with their kids is like three times higher and things like that. And, you know, I know people are like, that's not enough still. And like, it's not. And things need to, I mean, a lot of it is like, you know what I feel like needs to change is the, um, it's the initiation and like the, the headspace. Like I, um, like how you actually initiate thinking about the things that go on in your home. I think mm. men are stepping up more. They're playing with their kids more, spending more time with family, prioritizing things a little bit differently. But are men actually active like data collectors around the home, thinking about what needs done next? What what need what need does my kid have that maybe I could help step in and take care of? And there's there's things like that that I think we have more work to do. But To what you were saying before, I think this is one of the really cool parts of being an adult, which is that we can get to know what happened in our past, but then we have the power to do something different. And I know this is what we've had to do in in our own marriage and my own family, which is like the way my parents did it won't work for us. And so when we have that information, then we are empowered to actually do something with it, which is that we can do it our way. We can make changes. We can repeat some stuff and we can ditch others. And this is a really cool part of creating your own family. And I think that as we make changes in how we handle things like the mental load and stuff like this, it's Uh, it's cool because our kids will experience something different and I feel like they'll do a little bit better than we're doing and it will carry forward.
Unfortunately, I do sometimes feel like my life will continue to be bearing the brunt of, you know, traditional gender role societal constructs like my generation. I say this all the time, like my husband is as good as it gets, like for husbands of his age, generation, all of that. I mean, he is never lazy, never unappreciative, always willing to step up to the plate, take on more when I ask and vocalize stuff. But there is just this mindset that doesn't exist within him that I have where I take initiative, where I'm already thinking about stuff that is coming up. I've thought of this yesterday. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not like, I'm not thinking about this now. This decision in my mind has already been made, like what we're going to do for breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturday. You know, it's like by Friday night, I kind of have a mental plan of how that's all going to lay out and work because I want to know what the day is going to look like. I think the problem is women have been asked to take on, so not asked, we are taking on so much more than ever before in time now at this point in our lives with the least amount of support. And we don't need a helper. We need a partner. We need equal support systems going on. You know, you need a full on business partner in all of it. You do. And I... Yeah, I hundred I percent agree, and I think that it's nice that you're saying like it's not easy necessarily. Like it's not an easy fix. This is something that requires some effort and stuff. And I, whenever I talk about the mental load, I get this pushback sometimes from women who will say, you know, what you're encouraging me to do adds more to my mental load because I usually am encouraging people. You got to talk about it regularly. You have to make it just a nor- normal rhythm of your conversations because the mental load is changing every single day, every single season. Sometimes it's super intense. Sometimes it's less. And you have to talk about it regularly because otherwise it's going to become either like, either you're going to avoid the conversation because when you talk about it, it becomes this like blow up conversation. And so then your partner's going to avoid wanting to talk about it. Um, or you're going to hit the defensiveness and you shut down. And so you don't talk about, it. there's all these things that kind of get in the way, but if you make it part of your regular conversation, sort of push through that initial difficulty of having it, I think it becomes easier to get to a place where you have an equal partner who's, you know, who's thinking ahead about things, who's anticipating the needs of the home and the family. That's really what we want, right? Like we want them to anticipate some of this stuff, to be putting some mental energy to it. Yeah. Get in the game. Get in the game. game. Be a a heads up player. You got to anticipate that pass, bruh. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's, it's, it can be hard to initially start those conversations without um, your partner feeling like they're not being like attacked by you or like being shit all over for like not doing enough. Cause like, I, I come from this like mindset where like these guys are learning this for the first time, actually, like they aren't malicious and trying to make our lives a hundred times more difficult. Like they literally don't know what to do. They need to be, they need to learn. And the only way is for us to be vocal about what it's like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really fair perspective. I feel, I feel like it's not always like 
received <laughs> on social media, but I, I align with you on that. I think just like we've received messages about what it means to be a woman and what we're supposed to do, men receive messages about what their duties are, and it doesn't usually revolve around anticipating the needs of people in the home. And so we're like, we're all trying to like rewire this stuff. And um, sometimes the wires get crossed and it's it's a little bit tricky, but it's worth pushing through um, and having these difficult conversations. I actually, um, I don't know if this is okay to say, but I have a free, a free guide about how to talk to your partner about the mental load because I just think it's so freaking important. That's awesome. Is that on your website? Yeah, it's on my website. It's like right on the main header. And um, I'll put it in the show notes, your website. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it, it talks about how you navigate the defensiveness because I think that's where a lot of us women are like, you know, by the time we've come to the conversation, we've like really had to muster up a lot of courage. And then when we get that, like, oh, I guess I'm not doing enough. Or I guess I'm not good enough. Or, you know, I cleaned the kitchen last night. What do you want from me? You know, we shut down and I think it's just devastating. And so we have to become I know this is more work, so it's like hard to say this, but it's just the reality. It's just the reality. If we want to change this stuff, we got to be able to talk about it. But mm-hmm. we have to be savvy at navigating the defensiveness and um, pushing through it, not not backing down. Yeah, and I think like there's this other mental like hurdle to get over sometimes for women um, and moms, where when you are asking for more support and more help that you're not simultaneously feeling like a failure for not being good enough at like being able to fucking do everything for everyone. It's true. I I feel like we have to develop a healthy, gracious sense of entitlement because, um, and a lot of women don't really struggle to have that. Um, That is a part of what I talk about in my book, which is like we have these stories we tell ourselves that really get in the way of us having the ability to ask for help, to speak up, to assert our needs. And so if we're going to get to that place, we have to just rewrite those stories because otherwise we're just going to continue to carry it all and just be brewing and stewing on the inside and just you know, create. Ultimately, what happens when we carry it all is we become kind of nasty in our relationships. It's mm-hmm. like we're we're trying to be the best partner possible, the best mom possible. So we're doing all the things for everybody. But in the end, we end up being grumpy and resentful and hurting the relationships we're really trying to take the best care of. So it's not working. And it's really important that we get over our hangups around stepping up and asserting ourselves. And not to mention your kids in that, like where okay. there's like a, a feeling of responsibility to them to be a certain kind of mom or show up in a certain way that other moms are doing this. And like, we all need to get in our own group together, all the moms and like put your hands in and be like, I'm not going to fucking do it all. Everybody <laughs> in one, two, three, True. go team. Um, <laughs> I feel, I mean, we like really we we haven't talked about this but like an added layer to why i think motherhood like why we have more guilt why we carry more why parenting looks different today is that we are parenting now way differently than past generations with like we're like cycle break cycle breaking and like doing all these things which is wonderful but it's freaking way more work to parent that way and we parent with a lot of hypervigilance 
a lot of intensity. We have really, really almost impossible standards for ourselves as parents. And I think this is just like this whole other layer to the parenting experience that um, makes motherhood really extra draining, Mm -hmm. um, makes our load way heavier because Mm -hmm. now we're not just like, you know, why are you crying? We're not just like responding like that. We're like, what's the right, what is the phrase that expert said? I don't want to cause trauma. And yeah. so we're like really hyper vigilant about stuff. And that is exhausting. Totally. And that's something that is just way different about our generation too. Yeah. And every, uh, like the, the massive over inundation of information that's being pushed and shoved down our throats every single day when you open up social media and see, you know, these are tips for parenting. These are tips for self-care. These are tips for quick recipes. These are tips like that. Not even just like, oh, sometimes I feel like tips for quick recipes are more like, oh, shit, I should be doing nicer meals, you know, like (laughs) it's supposed to be helpful, but then it also becomes something that you take on like, oh, wait, other people are making that nice of a dinner every night. Like, (laughs) fuck, I better step up my game. You know, it's just, you see it and you're like, oh, I should be doing the things that everybody else is doing. It's just, it's too much. It's too much. I mean, there's always there's always somebody that's prettier, has a more beautiful house, has a better behaved child, who has <laughs> more resources. It's like there is endless content out there to make you feel like total crap. And yeah. so we have to use a lot of discernment, I think, when we consume content. And uh, it's like if we're if we're picking up our phones to numb out and escape, which we all do from time to time, especially when we're burnt out. It's like one of the most common things is like, get me out of this moment. We Mm -hmm. just scroll and then we feel horrible when we do it. We need to think about (laughs) setting some, some boundaries about how we consume this stuff because it is in your face coming from every direction. Um, There's like Mm -hmm. a bazillion experts out there and they all like contradict and it's a lot to sort through. If there's ever any like takeaway, I feel like this from my um, social media is that I would like people to just feel like they're good enough as they are. Mm-hmm. Like stop trying to live up to somebody else's standards or what somebody else is like, fuck what everybody else is doing. Just do things like your way. Your way is good enough, you know? Yeah. Unless you're like a toxic Beating your kid. psycho, you know, <laughs> then maybe. It's like you got to let Ash try to, yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. (laughs) That totally comes through in your content. I think that's you're so wildly like adored is because you speak in such a genuine and relatable way about motherhood and parenting. We're all like, yep, felt that. Thanks for that permission. So (laughs) thanks, Morgan. Well, um, it was awesome to have you on today and to chat about this. Um, I like I said to you, I feel like I could have talk to you about this straight on through till next week. Um, (laughs) But uh, everybody who's listening, make sure you check out Morgan's book, Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. I'm going to link all that stuff in show notes and you can find her over on Instagram also at Dr. Morgan Cutlip. What did you call it? It's an injury to the lip. An injury to the (laughs) lip. That's how we pronounce the name. (laughs) Thanks again, Morgan. Thank you for having me. It was nice to talk with you. Great chatting with you too. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack.